Welcome to Star Trek Age of Discovery. I'm Adele Austin Anderson. And I'm Gary Anderson. And we're a married couple who are longtime fans of Star Trek. This week, we're breaking down First Contact, the season one, seventh episode of Star Trek Prodigy. We'll summarize the plot of the episode and share our observations. We'll end the podcast with the most recent Star Trek news. Before we begin, please remember our analysis does contain spoilers. So if you haven't yet watched this episode, you may want to do so before listening to our comments. Now, Gary, let's start off with the synopsis for First Contact. Okay. The episode begins with Dahl's captain's log in which he expresses unease that pervaded this ship after the revelation that something mysterious had happened to the protostar's first crew headed by Captain Chakotay. The seriousness of the moment is soon replaced by the reveal of the crew entertaining themselves by beaming a slice of pie from one part of the ship to another. This was borne out as we watched the crew run through the unkept ship where no one bothered to clean up after themselves. Hollow Janeway seems to be the most concerned with solving the puzzle of the first crew's disappearance. While she works on that issue, the others continue to play with the transporter. They decide to use it on Murph and mistakenly beam him outside the ship. However, he endures the experience with no perceptible harm. The ship intercepts a distress call from a hooded figure who claims she is transporting a group of sick orphans in a ship with a compromised warp core. However, Dahl quickly recognizes the true identity of the caller as Damon Nandi, a Ferengi con artist who raised Dahl before he was kidnapped and forced into slavery by the Diviner. The protostar crew beam over to the Ferengi ship called the Damsel, which contains a variety of items created by other species. Among the items, they find a Klingon cloaking device, which they believe may add another layer of protection for the protostar. To operate, the device required chimerium, a valuable crystalline mineral, which Rock said was available on the protostar. Nandi says they can have the cloaking device if they help her obtain a Ramalite crystal from the planet in the Skerelix system. Nandi says she needs the rare gem in order to pay off debts incurred by playing Dabo, the Ferengi roulette-style game. She encourages Dahl to describe it as a diplomatic mission in which they would make first contact with the beans on the planet. And Nandi would trade a Ferengi spit pan for one of the crystals. Back on the protostar, Janeway argues against first contact, the first contact mission since it would be an encounter with a pre-warp alien civilization. She cautions that the inexperienced crew could risk violating the Federation's prime directive, which prohibits actions that may alter the natural evolution of a society. However, the crew appears excited by the prospect of meeting beings of another culture and decide to take on the mission. 
Only Dahl seems hesitant about Nandi's true motives. The protostar lands on the surface of the barren, desert-like planet. The crew and Nandi leave the ship and hear a strange chime-like sound as well as rumbling beneath their feet. As a cloud of dust encircles them, Gwen tells them to bow down and give the aliens the impression they are not a threat. She then discovers the aliens are using harmonics to communicate, and she tells the crew to set their tricorders to the frequency used by the aliens. Now, back on the protostar, Janeway continues to review a recording of Jacody's distress call, magnifying one of the frames of the recording uh, as the bridge is breached. She sees that there's this unknown invader. She can see through the gap in the door that it is Dreadnought who was boarding the ship. The aliens use sound waves to mold matter to create a passageway for the away team. Gwen identifies the process as cymatics, which inspires Rock to name the aliens as the Cymeri. The group eventually find themselves in a cavern filled with rimmelite crystals suspended from the ceiling. The crystals light up and emit a soothing, chime-like sound. Several of the Cimeri appear. They are translucent, ethereal beings that move through the air. The crew realizes the importance of the crystals to the Cimeri culture as these beautiful objects enable their ability to use sound to transform matter. Desperate to get a crystal, Nandi offers the Samari a spit pan and asks for a gift in return. Using the crystals, the Samari provide the gift of music. The protostar crew are moved by the gift, but it angers Nandi who begins ripping down several of the crystals and placing them in a satchel. The actions cause the Samari great pain. Dal tells Nandi she has to return the crystals, but she refuses. The result of stealing the crystals has put the away team in danger. As the stability of the cavern begins to collapse in on them and the ground begins to shake. The force of the shaking knocks Nandi to the ground, causing the crystals to spill out of her bag. She picks up one of the crystals and runs out of the cavern. Dahl picks up the crystals and returns them to their place in the cavern. The crew find their way out for safety, but Dahl remains on the planet to look for Nandi. After finding her, she, he struggles with Nandi to try to retrieve the final crystal. Dahl loses the fight and Nandi chastises him for being soft. She then reveals to him that he wasn't kidnapped, but rather she was the one who sold him into slavery, using the money to purchase Pickpot, the robot who serves as the damsel's only crew member. In addition, Dahl learns Nandi has stolen the Chimerium from the protostar and has used it to make the cloaking device operable on her ship. Wow. So Pog is able to locate a distraught doll, although Dahl was actually missing his combat. Once being aboard the Protostar, 
Dahl uses the transporter to retrieve the crystal and return it to the Samari. This was made possible because Dahl had placed his combat on the crystal during his fight with Nandi, so he could recover it. Hollow Janeway admonishes the crew for botching their first contact mission, violating the Prime Directive, and doing significant harm to the openness of the Samari. She tells them they broke trust with her, as well as violated their commitment to the principles of the Federation. Dahl openly admits his culpability, and everyone shows remorse for what they have done. Left alone for a moment, Gwen attempts to comfort Dahl by acknowledging that they both now recognize the unpleasant truth of having been betrayed by their parental figures. Back on the damsel, Nandi is informed by Pickpock that there has been a bounty issued for the recovery of the protostar. Seeing a way to repay Dahl for stealing the Remolite crystal from her and make a profit at the same time, the episode ends as Nandi attempts to contact the Diviner. So Gary, let's go ahead and get into a discussion of the episode. You know, go right I, ahead. Yeah, go right ahead. You know, like I felt overall the episode was watchable, but I didn't think it was, you know, as entertaining or cl- as clever as the previous episode, Kobayashi. Uh, basically, the episode teaches a lesson on trust and friendship. You know, I understand why you say that, but I have a different take on it. I mean, last week's episode obviously was fan service in regards to we got to see and hear these legacy characters all in one. And that's nice. But I think there was something that was significant done here. This shows a tremendous shift in Dahl. And we'll talk about that a little more. But I think that there is some significant things going on in this episode. Okay. First off, well, let's start (laughs) off with the title. This isn't the first time First Contact has been used for an episode or series title. It was the name of the of a, of a fourth season TNG episode, as well as, as we all know, the title of the best TNG film um, out of the group that they did. However, the Prodigy title differs from the others in its spelling, which places a hyphen between the con and tact syllables. Um, this gives us a clue that the episode is going to involve some kind of scam to trick someone out of something of value. I want to talk about the Samari, which to me was one of the highlights of the episode. Now, we both think the Samari are a welcome addition to the list of Star Trek alien species. Yep. We appreciate the design of these delicate, luminous beings whose heads seem to be topped with a crown. Thirdly, let's talk about Dahl. Once again... Dahl functioned as the vehicle for the main lesson of the story, which was stated by Gwen at the episode's end. You learn who your true friends are, the ones willing to go along with you, no matter how foolish it seems. You know, Gary, I take issue with this moral since a true friend should not just thoughtlessly go along with the behavior or actions of another person just because they are your friends. So I don't think that that 
lesson works in every case, but you know, I see why she said it, you know, during this time. <laughs> also, this episode helps fill in some of Dahl's backstory while giving us some indication why when we first met him, his first instinct was to withhold information from others or in some cases outright lie to the people to get what he wanted. The fact that Zero picks up Dahl's apprehension towards Nandi's plan is evidence that he's no longer as comfortable behaving this way as he once was. Right. And finally, we see that there is a deepening of the relationship between Dahl and Gwen in this episode. When Gwen uses her intellect to figure out how to communicate with the Samari, Dahl doesn't try to take credit for her work as he has done in the past. Gwen and Dahl also seem to draw themselves closer with the realization that they both share a history of being deceived and abandoned during life-threatening situations by authority figures they once trusted. This is the best example of how we're certain the bond between these two characters will continue to grow over time. Yeah, I agree. So now let's turn to Nandi. The characterization of this Ferengi was closer to the TNG depiction of the species as greedy, amoral characters who place profit above all else. This is in contrast to the more complex and dynamic portrayal of the Ferengi that one sees in Deep Space Nine. Nandi is a ruthless con artist who steadfastly follows the rules of acquisition. For instance, although Dahl pleads with her to return the crystals, Nandi refuses and recites uh, the rule of acquisition number 21, never place friendship above profit. Later, when Dahl implores her to return the last of the stolen crystals, she quotes rule of acquisition number one, which states, once you have their money, never give it back. <laughs> <laughs> Nandi has no regrets for the harm she's caused others to get what she wants. In this episode, she not only re she won't return the crystals, even when told their theft is causing the Samari extreme pain, she fires a weapon towards the crew of the protostar that would have killed them had it actually hit its mark. She reveals that she had sold Dahl into slavery and she used the mission as a way to give her robotic partner time to steal the chimerium from Dahl. And then finally, she willingly betrays the protostar crew again by attempting to disclose their location to the diviner. Yeah, I would say that Nandi is irredeemable. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Well, we're going to go on for... Yeah, well, let's talk about Hollow Janeway. All right. At episodes in, Hollow Janeway declared she no longer trusted the crew as she scolded them for not taking her advice about proceeding with the first contact mission. 
one wonders how much longer she'll put up with this motley, undisciplined crew who clearly are not Starfleet cadets. Also, she seemed to be the only one focused on solving the mystery of what happened to, to Chakotay and his crew. The only thing that appears to prohibit her from taking the ship to the nearest Starfleet base for assistance is the fact that she can be easily turned off or even reprogrammed. Still, we are looking forward to learning how the major story arc will play out regarding the history of the protostar and why the ship is so important to the diviner. I'm I'm really concerned about the health and well-being of the former protostar crew too. I mean cuz Yeah, what yeah. Because you know, we we see Dreadnought and Dreadnought's not exactly a subtle guy who asks questions right. before he rips your head off. Yeah, and it seems like if they for example were placed on the planet, mm-hmm. you know, Tars Lamora, mm-hmm. that, you know, somehow they would have heard about it because usually adults aren't the ones who are taken and put on that planet. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I am worried about the what happened to that crew, you know, and is this something that the Federation has kept a secret because the protostar um, is such... A new fantastic, you know, advancement in technology. Yeah. yeah. the 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 other mystery, but it's all connected to this, is that okay? So we know that Dreadnought attacked the ship and attacked the crew of the Protostar. But here's the question: So who hid the Protostar? Right. So Diviner couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. I mean, so, so true. So, so, there, true. so there's a lot of question marks, you know, in regards to how how it got over there, how you know what happened to Shakoti and his crew, and why was it hidden? Like who hit it? Yeah. So yeah. So there's all of that. Okay. Let's move on to Star Trek news. However, our first Star Trek news item is another episode review of the Center Seat documentary. Um, this one is entitled Starships A to Z. This 40-minute episode focused on the theme that each of the major Starfleet vessels functioned as a character in its importance to the show. The documentary showed how the ship's designers often relied on toy model kits to create the facsimile of the ships for filming. Whenever possible, however, production staff attempted to save as much money as possible. For instance, the Reliant Starship commandeered by Khan in The Wrath of Khan was little more than the model of the Enterprise flipped upside down. Hull plating utilized um, a Aztec design that served to enhance the design aesthetics in close-up at times. It was integrated within the plot later on of one of the Star Trek television shows and films. You may remember episodes of Enterprise or in the, the, the TNG films when they actually had to release portions or segments of the hull plating that was released. And that came from that Aztec design that was incorporated. It was also it. shown in Lower Decks too. Uh-huh, in Lower Decks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you watched... Um, you can watch the Center Stage documentary by s- subscribing to the History Vault. That's History Channel's streaming service. 
you can sign up for a seven day trial period. And if you are not interested in a subscription to the History Vault, you can cancel your subscription by the seventh day and you won't be charged for your viewing. Well, I'm going to turn to the Book of Grudge, Gary. Really? Yes. Attention fans of Cats and Star Trek Discovery. The Book of Grudge is now available from Hero Collector and Penguin Random House. With the help of New York Times bestselling author Rob Perlman, the Book of Grudge brings to life the feline's view of the world with thoughts on humans, life, Michael Burnham, and dogs. Grudge's musings cover everything from space travel to the proper care and training of various alien species. You'll also find Star Trek inspired quotes and haiku meditations on her most favorite things, including napping and people, <laughs> as long as they're far enough away. The Book of Grudge comes in a 96 in, in at 96 pages with plenty of exclusive illustrations and of course plenty of pictures of grudge from the set of Star Trek Discovery. Wow. That sounds like a coffee table book that you just gotta have if you're a well, Star Trek fan. It won't be one that I'm buying. Well, you, you don't like cats. You know what? Cats are all right. I just don't want them in my house. That's oh, all. that's it. That's it. And obviously not books about cats in your house either. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, the final news item we have is that there is a new Star Trek audio drama in the making. An audio drama from Simon & Schuster highlighting Star Trek Picard characters Rafi and Seven and Nine has been announced by StarTrek.com. The drama entitled... Star Trek Picard, No Man's Land, will be made available February 22nd. The new audio drama is loaded with sound effects from the Star Trek universe and will feature the voices of Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan in their respective roles. Picking up where the first season of Picard left off, the synopsis reads, While Seven of Nine and Rafi are enjoying some much-needed R&R, and Rafi's remote hideaway. Is that, Is that what they call it? it? <laughs> I'm sorry. You mean the double wide out there in the desert? It's a remote hideaway? Woo! Yeah, okay. All right. They've made that sound a lot better than it is. I know, that's right. Their downtime is interrupted by an urgent cry for help. A distant, beleaguered planet has enlisted the Fenris Rangers to save an embattled evacuation effort. As Seven and Rafi team up to rescue a mysteriously ageless professor mm. whose infinity-shaped talisman has placed him in the deadly sights of a vicious Romulan warlord. They take tentative steps to explore the attraction depicted in the final moments of Picard season one. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yes, yes. So, in closing, next week we, we will return with a review of the eighth episode of Star Trek Prodigy. And hopefully we'll find out what its title is before next Thursday. Right. In addition, we would like to remind you to share a link of Age of Discovery with people you know who enjoy Star Trek as well. 
Until that time. Like, subscribe, and follow Star Trek Age of Discovery on Twitter at Star Trek AOD, Facebook, and at our website, Star Trek AOD.net, where we offer additional articles on Star Trek canon, interesting sidebar issues, and other aspects of the show. Also, email the show at Star Trek AOD at gmail.com. But until then, live long and prosper.